something's got to change. Something's going to give. It's like the worst storm. It's like if they're having the, the lockdowns and they're having this economic shutdown, it's actually going to cause cost of things to go up. But then we also don't produce like much for consumer goods. They are the hub for consumer goods in this yeah. world. We're in a global economy. Any country we are involved with, they're hurting. In return, we are going to hurt. Welcome, welcome. Neil, how's it going, buddy? Are we on right now? I think we're on. Are we on? We on? All right, we're on. We're on. Okay, we're on. This is the Master Keys Podcast. Yeah, welcome to the Master Keys Podcast, Season 2, Episode... Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know this time, but we're getting fingers in the back. We don't know. It doesn't matter. We don't know. Anyways, I'm Neil Andrino. I'm Chandler Halliburton. We are real estate investors and real estate agents, and this is a wealth building, real estate investing podcast. Yeah, we want to do this to help you guys kind of grow your your wealth, grow your businesses, maybe learn some stuff about real estate investing. We are not financial advisors, but we want to give you all of our opinions and, and best tips that we've learned through experiences that we've succeeded and failed at. Yeah, and if you get anything out of the content here, we ask that you like it, subscribe, post any comments or questions down below, and share this video with someone else that you think might get some value out of it. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about a bunch of different news topics going on in Canada, the States, the metaverse. Um, and then our main topic and today. Abroad. What's China. our main topic? Man, things are going crazy in China. We've talked about this a little bit in some previous episodes with the mortgage strike, uh, even with the, you know, attempting to create a new currency with Russia. Mm -hmm. Um Evergrande, uh, you know, them defaulting on like $300 billion worth of loans that they've got out there. All this crazy stuff happening over in China that is now slowly starting to leak out into our news stream here. It's major because it's going to impact us. China is the second biggest economy in the world. And so what goes on in China, as arm's length as it feels... It very impacts much impacts everything. what's going on here for us. So we're going to unpack what's going on in China right now. You need to check this out because we're all trying to make our predictions as to what's going to happen in 2023. This what are the big stories going to be and how that's going to influence how we invest. And China is going to be a big part of what goes on in the world next year, even more so than they already have been uh, in the last half century or so. Yeah, everything they do impacts everything that we feel. And so. And they are struggling. And if they're struggling as the second biggest economy... <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's going to trickle down. But before we jump into the news, I just want to mention, thanks to everyone listening. Uh, last episode, we mentioned if we get 100 likes on our YouTube video, uh, we're going to do a conspiracy episode. We're so close. We're like 20 likes away. If you can go, if get you listen on, on Spotify, if you don't mind, just going on the YouTube, giving us a quick like. We're trying to get there. What we're saying, you know what, we'll pick someone out of the 100 and we'll give you a 50 minute call to go over a deal, uh, go over your portfolio, whatever you want to chat about. If you just want to yeah. shoot the shit, we can also just do that. Totally. Um, but yeah, just Please, please, please go over to YouTube. Give us a give us a like, and we're gonna do that conspiracy episode, and you can hear all of our weird ideas. Well, I mean, that's a good segue because honestly, China and what goes on in China is also very interesting when you start getting into um, like conspiracy. There's some conspiracy theories coming out of China right now with respect to these protests that are going on and how the government is trying to clamp down on them. Uh, we'll highlight that later, but let's get into some news headlines. Neil, what do yeah. you got? Well. Okay, so you want to go first? Oh, Jesus. You want me to go first? Yeah, I want you to go first. Okay. Um, I well, I mean, let's kind of go into uh, the U.S. Let's start with uh, the other major player in the world. Um, so their most recent inflation numbers came out, and for July was 8.5%, yeah. which, believe it or not, is being heralded as a big win. Where the was reason it being, before? it was at 9.1 before. Oh, it's coming way down. It's coming way down. Shit's free again. Uh, but additionally, like, so there's the, the main consumer price index, which covers uh, virtually, well, not everything. There's a lot of things glaringly omitted from it. Um, but in the U.S., they've got one that includes uh, food and energy prices. And then they've got one where they kind of back that out. Um, and that one that was backed out actually didn't increase kind of uh, much at all. So Biden even, I think there was one soundbite where he said, 
we got zero inflation. And that's because um, they're, they're one that doesn't account for food and energy, only grew like 0.3%. Um, but food and energy are the biggest things that people spend their money on. So and you have to spend your money on is the other thing. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, they're, they're kind of inelastic demand on feeding yourself and, and heating your home. If and If electronics didn't spike, like it's not a big deal. You can survive without all the new electronics, but you can't without your <laughs> heating your home and yeah. feeding yourself. But, I mean, in general, I think we are seeing everywhere like a bit of a turn down on the inflation a little bit. Like, obviously, rates are up. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it continues through. Like, fingers crossed, because I don't want them to try and fix this by just continuing to jack the rates. I was looking at charts over the weekend because I'm trying to decide. I have a mortgage renewal coming up right now, and I was trying to decide if I want to go fixed or variable. Uh, oh, go variable, you coward. <laughs> I did variable, Chandler. Hey, I did variable, Chandler. And, um, but I was just looking at them and like, man, like in the 80s, they were just like, all right, like inflation's crazy. So we went up a few points. Inflation's still crazy. We went up a few more points. I wish all right, you know what? Screw it. We're going up by like 80s, 15%. Man. And I'm like, uh. So it's just like in my head, I'm like, I hope they don't try and handle this. And luckily my girlfriend's there and she's very smart, master of economics. And she was like, look, they learn every time. And every time they've gotten smarter and smarter. And if you look at every time there's been a recession or a major issue since, they've done less and less manipulation of the rates. They're a little faster to do it. Because they're reacting. They're not trying to do it gradually. Like, okay, we need to slap this and stop this before it gets out of hand. And so hopefully well, this time, that's what they're You're doing. I'm giving them a lot of credit because they were absolutely late to the draw. And I think yeah, the bigger issue is people always reference, like, oh, what about the 70s and, you know, monetary policy in the 70s? It was a complete disaster. And, like, oh, what about crazy inflation, high interest rates of the 80s? Back then, people did not carry as much debt. Businesses did not carry as much debt. It was yeah. a different time. You know, that lever that you used to be able to ratchet uh, with smaller repercussions for better or for worse now has huge repercussions repu- 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 <laughs> oh my god I, I combined ramifications and repercussions into one word i really want to see this office that you talk about that has these levers you keep talking about there's an office where they just have levers where they print money they can crank up interest rates man actually that reminds me some guy was like they, the they don't actually button. print money that's not how it works. Like, no kidding, man. That's like the terminology for. But like, they do actually pull the levers. They do there's, pull the levers. levers. The levers are real. There's literally a story who just like dials the interest rate a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it, it has bigger sweeping changes in a short period of time because we are such a debtor society now. Yes, totally. Um, and we're gonna actually talk about that again with the China but stuff because the debt's so heavily. Yeah. I want to get into something a little bit more. Okay. I'm say a but the funny thing is, I think just to kind of like just finish that thought is because they're heralding that as some sort of win. There was then some conversation of like, well, does that mean maybe we should stop the increases on the interest rate? Yes, because I just signed a variable, so yes. Well, this is the Fed in the U.S., but the, the same logic we'll is going follow, to trickle down to, to to Canada because by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be I don't know mid August, yeah, right. And the Bank of Canada meets again September seventh, I believe, to do their next interest rate hike. And seeing what the Fed and how the Fed's going to react to this quote unquote slowdown uh, will be interesting because we're also the day that this comes out, the following day, uh, Stat Can will. Um, publish their inflation numbers for July. Mm. So that's going to be really telling too because these things are trending and they're lagging indicators. So as silly as it, as it is for them to get excited about going from 9.1% to 8.5%, realizing how long it takes these things to to go into place, it's them sort of thinking, well, if we went from 9.1 to 8.5, we're probably now actually sitting in real right Six in this moment like at a little bit less and trending yeah. in the right direction. So It usually um, starts gradual, too, and then it'll pick up a little bit yeah. of pace with the impact of what they've done. Right? Yeah. Plus, Biden's approval rating is at an all-time low. So he's done things like, 
you know, kill an him. evil terrorist because uh, that's always good for approval rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got their uh, big spending bill that used to be called Build Back Better. They changed it, I think, to like an anti-inflation bill. They got that passed. Um, and so could I imagine a scenario whereby there's some political pressure applied by the Democrats to lessen federal um, rate increases? I, I could see that for sure. Yeah. And maybe that same thing is going to happen here in Canada. Uh, time will tell. But so, yeah, what do you got for me? What do you got? Yeah, I said I want to get something a little more light, something a little... I'm not gonna call it that's light. Funny, <laughs> a little more interesting. But Brampton Realtor, okay, gets in a machete. Gets attacked with machetes. Whoa! And the reason this really hit home okay. is he's machetes? a real he's a realtor and a podcaster. Oh, not the podcasters! He's not the podcasters! Yeah, in his, oh my in his driveway, and I have a video here to Hopefully show they you. They didn't get his face. That's our money maker. That is our <laughs> not us. Maybe him. But look at this! Whoa! They're just like now. My thing is, and this is what's um, weird: is there's no motive cited. And it, he's not bleeding, and there's... I don't know, dude. It's blurred out. How he could be bleeding profusely. I I don't want to call any because I don't want to be lighthearted or anything like that. But like, if you have three, if you have three dudes with machetes, and we're gonna put this clip over ours, and if you have three dudes with machetes hitting you like yeah. that, I'm pretty sure. And um, one guy's got an axe. This is this. I mean, if you got attacked with People three guys with machetes, an axe, I feel terrible. This is. We might get YouTube censored for this. We're I know, and I video, feel kind of awkward calling it out, but it's a little weird that there's no motive. They don't know who did it. And then there's also, like... Oh, my. Like... Oh, she's, oh this lady threw a shoe at them. She threw a shoe at them, and they just man, ran away. But shout out to that lady, man. Coming into a... See three guys swinging machetes and axes at a guy, and she rolls up to stop it. But, wow. Are you 100% convinced that this is... Dude, if I got attacked, if I got out of my car and some three guys came at me with machetes and axes, I don't think I would be walking away. And I also don't think my mom throwing a shoe at them would get rid of them. Um, well, your mom's an intimidating woman, first of all. Uh, that is true, actually. <laughs> Maybe shout out to my mom. She's going to be listening to this. She'd be like, I would beat the shit out of them. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I, we need to tread carefully because I'm not making light I, of this. I don't want to make But they, they need situation. to sharpen their knives and their axe because... That was the dullest axe I've ever seen. Um... Anyways, I don't want to. Yeah, don't want to make light of the situation. Man. Some stuff's gonna come out. But Real for me, I'm like end a podcast double. Yeah, whammy. but whatever. Uh, those aren't those pe- everyone's two favorite people. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, he's not the favorite everywhere. But anyway, so that was an interesting, of, interesting one. Take a look at the clip. The latest wild. <laughs> Sorry, I'm um, making light of this poor sta- guy. No, but hopefully, you know, he, he's he's in the hospital. Okay. Said, but he's gonna be okay. Um, I heard he's got a showing tonight at 7, actually, so yeah. he'll be there. He'll be there. Um, this also is not the first time this has happened, apparently. There's been guns and other violence at his home, so... I oh, okay, so this dude's into some stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's well, a podcast, uh, uh, but... Potentially, I mean, some people have theorized. I don't know. Can we get... I'm not... Yeah. Uh, Moving on. I just yeah, want to yeah. say it because it was, a, it was a big headline, and I saw they were wielding axes. I said we had to talk about it. I'm going to give you another topic from Toronto while okay. we're on the Toronto topic, and okay. that is a new startup called Wahi. I think that's how it's called pronounced. Wahi. W-A-H-I. Okay. And... The idea and the like, their thing is, is that they are going to be able to tell you if a neighborhood is being overbid. Um, and the way that they're doing this is they're tracking okay. sold prices versus sale, like list prices, which is that's the same data we already have, but which okay. is the same which we have here, but they don't have there. It's not public access there. Okay, okay. Right, like when you go on their websites, they don't have public access to the sale prices, right. and so a lot of times you'll see posts of like sold for one hundred and thirty percent. Like they don't ever give you the exact numbers really? a lot of time, and yeah, you have to ask your realtor to okay. give you a lot of that info. I didn't realize that. Um, I need to catch up. Yeah, totally. But 
I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of realtors that are upset about this because I feel like here they were too and we came to find out it's actually a really good thing because it helps to educate your clients a lot and it actually makes your 100%. job easier, I think, in a lot yep. of ways. Um, but my thing was, like, I, immediately I saw this and I'm like, this is very cool. I'm sure people are going to use this. But then on the flip side, it's like it's like Zillow. Like, How can you say it's an overbid when it's like that house went for 300 and sold for 800 but you didn't factor in that the zoning allows you to build. Yeah, there, there's going to be mall. things that, that slip through the cracks for sure. Or no, you didn't yeah. factor in that Apple just announced that they're building a new campus outside of Toronto in this neighborhood. And so, yeah, prices are going up like 80%, which is way overbidding, but not really because the values in that area are going to become that because the rental demand is going to spike. The just home ownership demand is going to spike. The average income is going to spike. Yeah. So is it an overbid? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to find some arbitrary measure, not arbitrary, but like price per square foot. And they're going to be like, well, in this area, things have sold for this price per square foot. Now this one sold for more per square foot. And now that's an overpay. It's like, well, you know, there, there's different valuations on different square footage. Yeah. Right? Like if there's three bathrooms as opposed to one bathroom, then that the first place with three bathrooms should trade at a higher price per square foot. Finish. Newness and like if yard, someone if someone you know, underlists a home or overlists overprices yeah. a home like exactly yeah. intentional price shifting and stuff mm. like that like I don't know it, it seems like a cool idea and I think it's the in the GTA one, it's in the GTA I think it's really good that they're just trying to track the information and, and provide it to the clients um, that's something I think everywhere they need to have but I wonder, is it free no price subscription based uh, no it looks like it looks to be free um, mm. but uh, yeah I just took a quick peek through it like the green's good and red's overbidding. Um, so it's interesting to see that they have neighborhoods already flagged. It's as a lot of green, which speaks to the point that uh, things are slowing down in the Toronto area. Not yeah. so much right in the core, but outside of Toronto. Um, we talked about this before. The volume of sales is down about 20%. It's the same in Vancouver. The area outside of Vancouver, I think it's like around down about 22% in volume, which yeah. is something like the, the biggest drop in 20 years. And as we talked about before, yeah. that doesn't account for, like there's no adjustment for the fact that the city has ballooned in population and ballooned in the number of homes over the last 20 years and still this is the lowest number lowest volume of sales in two decades so that is pretty intense it's insane and and what that has meant nationwide is that china (laughs) home sales are down about four percent on the canadian average um and you can make an argument that in some of the peripheral suburbs it's quite a bit more than that yeah and as i say that that's skewed in some ways because i think like atlantic canada is still doing Solid in some ways. I mean, slower, but we're yeah. We just had last week. What was it? It was uh, fifty over fifty percent of homes still sold over asking here in our area. I think there was uh, about a hundred and some odd sales, like a hundred and change, which is not a lot of sales. Obviously, people listening to this in some bigger markets are gonna be like, only a hundred homes were transacted last week. Yeah, but uh, that's the case. Only a hundred homes were transacted in our metro area here last week, and fifty percent of them sold over asking. Yeah, we're still strong. Uh, this is a weird one for me. I had um, we have a listing with our team, and it's been up for four weeks. And, and then you still got multiple offers. We just sold over asking multiple offers yeah. this week. I mean, it's not sold, sold, but it was yep. four weeks in, and now we have three offers on the table, and we sold and we accepted over asking. Yeah, well, the average price too was a hundred and one percent. Yeah, of asking. Right. Yeah, so we're, so, we're still t- trucking along, and yep. places I think like Alberta are still seeing good strength. So that four percent really is skewed, where it's like Toronto and BC might be feeling a huge punch right now, and a couple other places aren't. Um, and this also p- kind of shows the idea of like following where industry's going. Like we've talked about before of like jobs and in work and those kind of things. Man, that's so interesting you say that. So in the states, their median price for Actually, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it's their median price for the U.S. just hit an all-time high of four hundred thirteen thousand dollars U.S. across the country. Holy shit! Right, which, um, in one respect, doesn't sound that high, 
That's right? not it, 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 it's, like it's 500k comparable. Canadian. It, it's, but I think we're on average higher than that in yeah, Canada. Yeah, we were 800. Um, no, I don't think we're that high, but we're, we're, we're up there. We were over seven last year. Really? Crazy. Yep. Um, you know, so that accounts for some bigger markets, but there's also some really affordable places to live in the U.S. Um, so that number kind of being comfortably above 400K is an all-time high. But at the same time, inventory is up about 30%. Uh, across the country. So again, this is a lagging indicator where home sales are down. As per CBC, March 2022, average Canadian home price, $816,000. So that was March, but that's come down significantly since then. Yeah, then it went down to $796 in May, and it's now $746 as per CTV. Wow. So, you know, we, we've given back a, a solid amount there, about yeah. 7%. Still, yeah. still. But the U.S., the prices have still been rising while at the same time inventory is ticking up. So that tells us a couple things. Uh, but the biggest one is that all of this data is lagging, lagging, lagging. The same thing that we talked about with the inflation yeah. stuff, the data is lagging. So it's, you know, days on market and inventory is what you really should be looking to rather than average prices. It's how long are things sitting on the market, uh, how many things are selling, how much supply is there out there inventory is everything supply and demand yeah yeah so that's you know uh it'll be interesting to see how that bears out but with that because you were talking about migration and industry and all this yeah i found this super cool redfin is another major search engine that people can use down in the states i think it's in canada too is it i I think it might be but predominantly in the states they found that recent searches now over 30 percent of the people looking for homes are not looking in their metro area they're looking in other areas so that means one third of people That's in the U.S. when they're percentage. shopping for homes are now thinking of changing location because of the cost of living in their area. So you have a lot of people migrating around the states to go to cities and states that have cheaper homes and cheaper cost of living for things like taxation and all That's that. That's actually insane. I wonder yeah. if that's skewed by people like looking like, like I look at giant houses in Toronto and BC all the time, but I'm not no, going to buy like, one. They 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 they've been recording this data for for you know, as long as Redfin's been around, yeah. and this is the highest ever. Oh, I totally, I believe yeah. that. I totally believe that, yeah. What do you see that, that's going to do in Candle? Where do you think people are going to move from where to where? Uh, well, I think you're going to see a bunch of people move back to Alberta, right? You think, it, eh? It, well, industry's picking back up, right? Like, it, yeah. it, oil and gas is going to have another another run. Um, you've already seen, like, you're saying, we're, we watched it. A lot of people move from the western provinces to Atlantic Canada, and that's continuing now. Like, yeah. everywhere I drive around, on top of it being tourist season, but everywhere you drive around... There are Ontario plates and Alberta plates and like just plates from every, Quebec, like everywhere, right. all over the place constantly. And you still see it like. But are we still cheaper here? Uh, well, but see, by factors, once you include taxes, cost of living and the expenses you have to spend, not necessarily. But I think the sticker price, the sticker shock, we yeah. don't have the sticker shock. And the other thing is, I think, yes, we are, because realistically, it's like. Yeah, your house is still seven hundred grand, but you're fifteen minutes from downtown and all the offices. If you were fifteen minutes in any other city from downtown and all the offices, that same house would be like three and a half million bucks. Like that's I think one of the big differences. Yeah. Um, but there's also a style of living here that a lot of people start to appreciate if they're from like central Canada. Um, that they're that people are starting to have an interest in. Like there's a lot of ocean based things that we can do that are super fun. World renowned golf. Like there are things that also um, bring people out here. So I think. That's going to continue. And we are, I know the city's putting a big push on, on tech-based. We also talked about industries. the fact that some of these things, you know, people's biggest expense is their energy, their food, and their housing. Yeah. Well, energy and food are pretty much going to be the same across the country, more or less. Alberta energy is going to be more affordable. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, otherwise, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah, point. Yeah. Um, but the, 
other two things are, are, are going to be relatively the same. So yeah. that just leaves housing. And as these interest rates have gone up and up and up, that actually, in a weird way, helps our cause. Because like you said, asking price, the, the ticket price-wise, we are still a cheaper option to some of these bigger markets while providing this great quality of life and while still being able to live in the downtown. Because as I, as I just mentioned, the core areas are still strong. Like totally. in, in these major markets, Vancouver, Toronto, et cetera, it's the periphery areas where, my God, like you have to live so far out of town and they're getting crushed. But for people who actually still want to live in a city, we are by far in a more affordable option, especially as these interest rates have gone through the roof. Simply looking at averages, the Canadian averages now 750, it was 800. Uh, in Halifax, it was, I think, 500, and it's probably closer to 450 now. So we're still probably about 40%, 35-40% off of the average. So we, we're, we're in good shape. Um, speaking of, I mentioned some tech stuff, and in a different land, talking about prices, Metaverse. Okay, you, yeah. Mar- Man, we, the Metaverse is chilled out. Well, the Metaverse is chilled out big time. So we're down from the highs in November of 2021. We're down 60%. <laughs> so it's come way down. And Mark Cuban's yeah. gone on record to say he thinks it's the stupidest investment ever to invest in the Metaverse. Um, okay. And his, his idea was basically that there's no utility. And you can create an infinite amount of land. Yeah, it's escapism. It's not finite. I, I totally agree with him. And we talked about this when these people were starting like their own little universes. Like, no, no, our universe is finite. It's like, well, that's fine while your universe is cool. But I don't as soon agree. As someone switches to somewhere else, then that's no longer cool. No. It's like, no. well, tell that to MySpace and MSN Messenger and ICQ. Like, those were the, those were to some degree meta spaces that existed and they all went out of vogue and now. What are they worth? Like, if you say you own a piece of your old ICQ account, like that's not worth anything anymore. I don't even know what that is. So there you go. <laughs> Shout uh, out to ICQ. Post your ICQ number if you still know it. <laughs> um, it's weird because he likes he likes cryptocurrencies because he sees utility in them. Yeah. Um, I I agree to what you're saying to an extent, but I honestly disagree in some ways too. Um, there is utility because our coming up generation is spending more and more and more time online. Um, and so to create areas and places that they can spend that time and connect with other people is super important and it's going to become more valuable. Why do they need a house there? And some of the, well, but it doesn't have to be a house. Like that's the thing. It's like a small form of thinking of like it has to be a house, but it's not necessarily a house. Like there's areas that people interact in. Like Fortnite was kind of a step into the metaverse and it is by hand, like hands down, it's been the most popular game ever. Uh, Roblox, same thing. Like what is it? 80% of people under 12 years old play have played Roblox. Like yeah. That generation's going to grow up and they're going to be used to doing that stuff and interacting with their friends in those spaces and doing things. Even now, I see my colleagues uh, in the evenings, instead of physically getting together, will spend a lot of their time in, let's say, a metaverse, which is a, a, a racing game or a shooting game. And yeah. that's how they connect and they hang out. And so, like, those spaces will have merit and value. The other thing regarding, like, the concept of being able to infinitely produce more land, that is definitely an aspect. But in some ways, like... The world is like this. I know we don't have an infinite amount of land. Obviously, we have a finite amount of land on the earth. But, like, once a city is created, like, I could technically just drive two hours or three hours outside of the city and buy a massive piece of land and build my own neighborhood and city. Yeah. But, like, there's an intrinsic value that's been built by this city being here for a certain period of time. And there's things that it offers totally, but man, that can't like, just instantly be moved over. When things are virtual, they fall out of favor when there's a... It, it, we just talked about how... It can change faster. It'll, it'll it move faster. But city, faster. cities grow and die, too. There's lots, like... Atlantic Canada is a prime example of a lot of cities that you can drive around and like they have big old brick buildings and the city's toast. And it's like, yeah, this was a boom town at one time because they had utility through production of pulp or coal yeah. at one point in time. And now they're dead. And if you look back, like well, that's the migration, so we're like seeing the, migration these, these of people and places can bust 
very, very way easy. faster. It boom and bust right? way, way like, faster. And you know, who's going to be holding the bag is going to be people who like say try to like put their life savings into these things and it doesn't pan out. But I, but I think there's also people who know what's going on that will be able to boom and make money even faster. Yeah. Like you can become a real estate tycoon probably in a much faster way and you can still make like billions of dollars within these spaces because there's yeah. people spending as much or more time in those spaces as people did 30 years ago in office buildings. They're going to be just big pump and dump things. I really think they are because like, cities going to become cool and then someone else is going to start another city and it's cool because over here you can just be here for free and blah, 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 blah and then all of a sudden you know, all the advertisers are going to come in it's like, all right, well, we want to be there obviously and then they're going to come in and blah, blah, blah and they're just going to move and... Timing's everything though. Like yeah. you look like Facebook... Is not been pumping down. Like those ones you you mentioned, not that they weren't good, but their timing was a little early. Like the adoption of those systems and people mass consuming like a MySpace wasn't quite there yet. Um, but now you look at Facebook, like it's created itself as a staple and you got to continue growing and modifying otherwise you die and you integrate yourselves into people's lives. And so the, the metaverses that will succeed and grow and all that will totally, integrate think, themselves into people's lives. I there's room for a bunch of them. Personally. No, there won't be. There will, it's like anything. There will be a few that, that come out. And that's why I think like right now it's super early. You might be an early adopter and get super, I think, lucky in investing in the right one that blows up. It's the same with cryptos, right? There's going to be a few that succeed because of the technologies that they offer. Um, but I don't know. I think I, for me, I'm like, I think Mark Cuban might be speaking on the fact that he doesn't necessarily totally, I don't want to say understand it, but like he doesn't feel it because he's not interested in that. He's not from the generation that would value that yeah. kind of yeah, that kind true. of usage, and I think our younger gen is going to be neither am I for that matter. Going to be keen yeah. to use it, right? I think like once wearables become super uh, common and people are like wearing like contacts that allow you to kind of access these spaces, I think things like metaverse-based spaces will become more and more prevalent, and actually people will enjoy them and value them. But. Anyways, that's, that's my thought. See, let's go back to the real world and a real city that's done really <laughs> well for a very long time. Don't cheat because you're a cheater when it comes to these things. <laughs> I have never um, cheated. What is the average rent now in Manhattan? The average. It hit a new high. We talked about this not that long ago, so it might be still top of your mind. We're talking Ma Manhattan specifically. What's the average rent? $3,700 a month. Way low. Higher. Was it higher than that? I don't bleep that out. $5,400 a month. Oh, now you're shade high. Fifty-one thirteen, it was five thousand one hundred thirteen. So it had just tipped over uh, five thousand dollars a month uh, in, for the June numbers, and That's now for was, July. Yeah. Um, this is Douglas Element that put That's this out. That's epic, man! Like 5, that is one hundred thirteen. Now you had a theory about this that some of this was. Um, you know, places that hadn't been on, on market for a while. And we talked about the fact that um, there's been this big spike as people have gotten squeezed out and now they, they can get these new rents. Yeah, I don't know what is all encompassed. First off, like, I'm just, like, blown away. Like, that's $6,500 a month Canadian. Like, that, and that's how, there's a lot of apartments there. So I'm like, holy crap. That means, again, half of them, on average, are more expensive. Which means there's people, like, there's a consistent yeah, yeah. number of people paying ten, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a month. Um, and... Yeah, my, my theory was just like, it's funny, like in Toronto, and I mean, we had we had some people message us that are in Toronto that are leasing agents, realtors, and have, have worked there, and they said, no, this is legit, like the rates are going up this fast. Yeah, 100%. But like my thing was, is that as rates go up and approvals need to be accomplished, in these over, I think, overinflated cities where the values don't meet the possible revenues and like are not supported, people are just creating leases that are allowing them to get approved right, financially. Right, and that. so that's yeah, why yeah. it's like, oh yeah, Rates went up by five or two percent, two hundred basis points, which increased your payment by thirty percent. And then somehow overnight, uh, rents went up by thirty-one percent. And you're like, yeah. okay, everyone's still getting their takeouts now, right? Yeah. Um, and, and just, just I don't think that's to, enough to move this to, needle, man. To explain like, that, right? Like that is, people need 
like people are not getting approved mortgages purely based on their income. Everyone in Toronto doesn't make enough money to approve a $3 million mortgage. They're utilizing yeah, the income from their yeah. properties to also add and get approved from the bank. And so what I was saying is that as, as the rates go up and that payment goes up, to service that debt, they're also just artificially increasing the value of their leases, which takes place a lot in, in these big cities. I've heard a lot from a lot of brokers and lawyers that there is a lot of uh, falsified stuff. And it's coming out in the news a lot that they can BC all these falsified papers. Yeah. Um, but Manhattan's been like this for a hundred years. Like it's insane, but that is six grand a month, man. Yeah. That's a lot of rent, man. That's, that's the average. That's the average. That's like the <laughs> highest here. Yeah. Um, so that, that trend seems like it's going to continue even as the housing market for purchasing and selling slows down. The rental market is going up and up. We talked about in the last episode, if you're a university town, like we are here, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, so Speaking of luxury, I don't even have this written down, but I want to ask what your opinion is. The luxury tax coming in on private jets, yachts, and <laughs> fancy cars. What do I think about it? Yeah. Do you think it's good, bad? you concerned about I think it's, when uh, the RAV4s break 100K that they're going to yeah. start taxing for it? I mean, I, I like to fly under that radar anyway. Um, is that in Canada? Oh, yeah. September 1st. It's coming up. 20% on Urethang. I don't. What, what constitutes a luxury vehicle? Luxury vehicles over 100 grand, luxury boats over 250,000, luxury aircraft I think is over 250,000 as well. And I mean, aren't don't all aircrafts luxury? If you own an aircraft, that's no, a luxury. No, utility, utility aircraft. How does everyone think all this stuff gets around so fast? Oh my goodness. Seriously, like people like so, if you if you live in a remote place, like you're not living in a luxury aircraft. It's like right, my right, food right. comes in on a plane. Um I know, but I I assume this would be personal luxury items, not like our corporation you know, has a some people have them though for like for stuff. Airplane. Um, I mean, this is a sign of our times. People do not like people who have wealth. We do not like people being too fancy. We do not like people getting a little too uh, too high on their horse. Um, yeah, hundred. Why? Why we feel that way? I don't know. We've also talked about that from a real um, proportionate contribution to. Uh, our tax base, wealthier people do pay more taxes than less wealthy people. There's a misconception that they don't pay their fair share. In fact, they pay more than their fair share. Uh, whether or not you think that's good, bad, or otherwise, that, that's another thing, but that is just factual, the numbers. Um, I don't get it, man. Like, why can't we have nice things? Because like, here's, here's the thing about this. So the person who bought that has paid more tax already than anyone else, right? Mm-hmm. They pay more tax on their income. Uh, they pay more tax on their house. Uh, both mm-hmm. the provincial and federal levels, and anyway, you slice it, they are paying more taxes, um, and then they've purchased a luxury item, which you know injects a lot of imaginary money into the economy. Like this mm-hmm. is not someone buying up water reserves or buying up more than their fair share of trees or food and hoarding it. This is buying something that is a, for all intents and purposes, a stupid waste of money that no one else even wants, but they buy it, and as a result, that company has more money, which then employs their people and all of these things. If this was a, like, I would be more interested in taxing um, wealthy individuals who are hoarding resources. Like, if you're yes. a wealthy person who hoards a bunch of, you know, um, uh, farmland, like, tax the heck out of that. Like, taxing them for buying, you know, these stupid like that is, that has no burden on the average person. people to spend money. Yeah, it it doesn't burden uh, the general populace. In fact, you know, wealthy people sending this stupid money downhill to you know these companies that sell this stuff and then in turn their employees and the overall economy is actually a really good thing. Um, so I don't 
I don't think it makes sense, but it looks really great, um, you know, for political fodder in these times where, um, you know, this is the stuff that people go, yeah, stick it to them. Like, whatever. You're about to see a lot of pickup trucks priced at 99900 like I, I, I'm not. I'm not for a pickup truck anyway. That seems crazy. That's what the big HDs go for. They're about one hundred and one hundred and three to one hundred eight thousand bucks. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the same page. I don't. I don't understand kind of why this is how they exactly in- intend to do it. Like on spending money, I think you should incentivize your people to spend money because um, that's kind of how it keeps the turnover going. Like you said, it injects cash, keeps companies going, keeps people employed. So I'm not super excited about this obviously like i have some vehicles that i'm gonna have to start paying this this tax on when i when i go to buy um because i like flipping cars i like flipping luxury cars um so i don't know i'm not super i'm not super stoked about it but oddly mm. enough and like this happens everywhere when they put these taxes in it just forces How much the price the up tax? even more what percentage it's 20 percent. 20 percent at the time of purchase or yeah uh as far as i understand and that's on top of Fifteen percent, yeah. So here you'd pay thirty-five percent on top. So if you buy oh a, a car God. for hundred grand, you spend thirty-five thousand uh, dollars in tax. So it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty substantial. Man, just, and if you think like this is the school of thought of if we just give more money to the government, all of our problems will go away. Yeah, like why we've started to think that way is beyond me. It history proves it's not the case. But so now, rather than just giving fifteen percent to the government, who's done such an awesome job with that fifteen percent, if we only give them like an extra twenty percent, if we can get that number up to thirty-five percent, suddenly all of our problems will go away because this is what we love in Canada now is just more government and more taxation. And I don't know how we got here. God, this kills my vibe. I'm just thinking about this now. I'm like, September first is so soon. Dude, it's in two weeks, so uh, yeah, liquidate those cars, Neil. Hey, thanks for listening so far. If you've liked what you've heard, like, subscribe, comment, anything you can do for us. We really appreciate it. Keep listening here. We're going to get into the China situation and how it's going to impact what goes on here locally, whether it's in your metro area or across Canada. Uh, what happens over there is, is going to give us some signals as to what could happen here. So check that out. Keep listening. Thanks so much. No. Um, all right. On that cheery note, you got anything else? Or are we moving into uh, um, China? No. Let's get into let's get into China. That's that's uh, yeah. So all these things that that seem so far away, and we talked about uh, you know the the Netherlands farming situation, and you can see that bubbling in Western Canada now, and what the Liberals are trying to do um, with their kind of reduction in, in, in certain emissions. All these things that happen abroad, we need to look at how they're going to impact us directly, but also where the trends are going, because it may feel and seem sometimes like we have nothing in common with China. But people are people, governments are governments, banks are banks, real estate is real estate, economics is economics. These things not only are going to impact us through trade and through money flows and through people flows, but also they're they're an indicator of what could be coming down the pipeline. So tell me if any of this sounds familiar. The Chinese economy, second biggest GDP in the world, Mm -hmm. has an over-reliance on real estate. Does that sound like anyone you know here in North America? We've been pretty reliant. We've been talking about this, how most of the GDP growth in Canada over the last decade or so has been due to uh, real estate growth, effectively. Mm -hmm. So there, they're up around 30%. We're at a paltry 20%, but still, you see that tie there. Then, their banking system is based on fractional reserves, uh, whereby if you deposit $1,000 into a bank, 
they only are required to hold a fraction of that and the remainder they can lend out, i.e. they hold a thousand bucks and then they lend it out to Neil. So now Neil's got 900 bucks, he goes and spends it and the person Neil spends it on, they take that 900 bucks and put it in the bank and the bank again holds 10% of it, right, which is $90 and then they lend out the remaining 810 and it goes on and on and on so that the original $1,000 is leveraged time and time and time again. Does that sound at all familiar? It does. It's the same banking system, more or less, that we have here. You know, any banking experts are going to take Slightly some... more aggressive, but Yeah, yes. yeah. So, um, and then they've gotten to this situation where because of the way real estate market has done over time, 70% of Chinese wealth over the last, I think it's two decades, was funneled into real estate investments. And predominantly, this was people investing their personal money into real estate because it was seen as this never slowing down, really strong, secure thing, and they needed to, quote-unquote, keep up. And so they were investing heavily, heavily in real estate, uh, which then caused a bit of a boom in real estate. All sounding pretty familiar so far. Super familiar. Yeah. So then it gets a little bit dicey. Um, They were big on the pre-construction sales, which is something you've probably heard here, but you think of it as like, oh, you know, I bought my home and it's going to be ready in six to 10 months. They're pre-city construction sales. Yeah, and in bigger markets like Toronto and Vancouver, and we had this, this was pitched to us for people who've listened to um, the show a long time. Do you remember when that group came in and talked to us about pre-construction sales? Were you there for that? No, 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 I missed it. Yeah, so it was a group out of Toronto and they're like, hey, you can come here and uh, here's this building project, and this is the location, and they show you this rendering. It's like, damn, that's the biggest building I've ever seen in my life. And like, it should be ready in five to six years. You can buy a unit now, and all we need is a deposit. And the deposit's, you know, maybe a couple installments of $20,000 over they a They get you up to 20%, years. 25% yeah. by the closing date. Yeah, so it's like, you know, 20 grand now, another 20 grand worth at this point, and so on and so on and so on. But they do that because then effectively they can go to their lender and say, we have these units sold. So now you can advance us the funds to actually build the project. And that can take five or so years. Then when the project's close to being built, you, owning this piece of paper that says you've got one unit, can sell your agreement at the market price five years from now, which historically has always been much higher. And your investment of, say, sixty dollars or $80,000 or $100,000 um, the unit that you've bought has maybe gone up in value from four fifty to six hundred, and you make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars off your, you know, smaller investment. Mm-hmm. And this has been going on in, you know, Toronto and Vancouver for quite some time now. But China invented that. Like they've been about that. They're for pre-selling a long literally time. cities. Like when I said that, I wasn't a joke. I mean, like there's like a field, and they're like, we're going to build a city here, not just one building. There's a whole city coming. We have no roads in place yet, but we are pre-selling units in a place that has no roads and prepare yourself. Yeah, and the local governments, that is their number one source of revenue is they make money off of these pre-sales through taxation and permits and the city eats off of real estate sales. Again, does that remind you of any place that you've heard of? Think of all the extra money from deed transfer tax and property taxes Mm -hmm. that have been going to our governments here at the municipal level and at the provincial level, and they're still not done. They want to add all these extra taxes to it for out-of-province buyers and all of these things, and um, that has been lining the pockets of municipal governments for quite some time. And in China, it's even worse because if you have this, you know, town that's relatively small, but this developer comes in and is about to build, you know, a cool 3,000 units and you're going to get paid off every single one, you're all fired up about that. Then, 
this is where they, they start to get really aggressive. The banking system here in Canada, we're very fortunate. It's pretty conservative and it's heavily, heavily regulated. You know, we have the central bank, the Bank of Canada, we all know about that. And then we have kind of our major banks and they're really, really big. Um, and for better or worse, they make it so no smaller banks can exist, which is very different than the States. Yep. Like, you know, they, there's more about a the, million small banks in the yeah. States. Um, and they've had an open banking system, which in some ways has allowed them to, to grow and turn their money over really fast. Um, I think it's actually a better system, but they have a very close banking system, which is more similar to us, uh, where they have to approve and they only have a certain number of banks that can offer certain products. Um, but yeah, continue. I'll let you finish. Yeah. So China as well, like there are more banks, like just simply put, they're, they're, they don't have kind of, I mean, they have major big banks, but they also have a number of slightly smaller banks of varying size. Yeah. And they can develop their own lending practice how they choose, obviously with the oversight of the government. Uh, but one thing that uh, was approved for these pre-construction things is that you can get issued a mortgage on a property that's not yet built. And we talked about this in a previous episode where these large development projects that young people would you know, build up and get the down payment, they would start paying mortgages in some cases for years before the unit was even built. So that these massive developers, and these were the biggest real estate developers in the world, and everyone's heard about Evergrande, we talked about it. Biggest real estate developers in the world, um, they were collecting all this monthly mortgage amount. insane. I don't even get that. And which essentially were kind of issued between obviously the bank, but also the developer would have access to these mortgage products. And that would presumably go towards building the units. The problem is they quickly hit a backlog. And all the mortgage funds that I might be paying them was actually going to build Neil's house that he purchased three years previous and still didn't have. It starts to get a little pyramid-y, right? And the only (laughs) way to keep it going (laughs) is you start having to bring in more and more people um, and to try to catch up on the backlog of, of units. And a stat came up that something like between since 2013, these major developers, Evergrande included, only delivered on about 60% of the houses that they promised. So you're talking about a decade, they fell 40% short on finished houses as as compared to what they quote unquote sold and what people were paying mortgages on. Where's the money going? I, I gotta cut you off for a second here. Like, so if everyone's following, like basically these guys are taking all the money to go. And we've talked about Evergrande before, Evergrande before, and they have more debt than assets. Um, and so I'm like, where does all the money go? But is it, are they underselling? Are they under um, estimating the cost to accomplish these units? And then they're selling them off and the people end up making the money? Or like, how are they How are they so upside down and all of this? Where I'm like, you get the money up front. Um, well, they only become upside down when you stop being able to bring more people into it, right? Like the, the infrastructure costs of these are no joke. Right, like I think they might be underestimating them. Then they must be because otherwise they'd be making hand over fist money. Or are people taking like our our owners taking out like not owners like people who buy, but the actual corporations taking a shit ton of money? Someone's gonna be taking the money somewhere. So it's yeah, either yeah. either the owners are making money by they they bought it for three hundred three years later they close on it and they sell it for five hundred and so Evergrande's end up is underselling it because they didn't factor in all the inflation to build and all the infrastructure costs. Or is Evergrande's like executive team just taking home ten billion dollar paychecks all day? And there's little no column money. A, little column B. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, you yeah. know what I mean. It raises a good, it's a good question, and and then you bring in all the items of, of corruption. So speaking of which, um, then there was this mortgage strike, and this started off as a very small thing. I tried this; it doesn't work here. It doesn't work here. We're not organized enough. But um, you say that in jest, but here's where you can start seeing some potential links to what could happen um, in in Western countries, because this is 
you know, now, now we're reaching the point of, of social unrest. And I don't know if you heard, but they tend to keep a cap on things when it comes to social unrest in China. <laughs> so the fact that these people are protesting and going on work strike, like that shows the level of um, anger and, and vitriol in, in this situation. People are really risking their lives for this. A hundred percent, right? So um, these people who had bought in these developments, uh, and it started with one little development, a bunch of people who had purchased made a petition and they lobbied their local municipality to basically say that um, if the developer doesn't develop, you know, finish their units in three months, the buyers of this community are going to stop paying their mortgage. And it was kind of like a little drop in the bucket. It's a pretty big country. But now that has grown to over 300 developments, thousands and thousands of units. And um, it's obviously once everyone stops injecting money into this pyramid-esque system um, and the banks stop having this money that they've loaned out aggressively being paid back, They're things start to get a little dicey. It's also crushing new sales because everyone's losing confidence. Oh, yeah. The, the consumer confidence is, is at an all-time low. Um, recently, there were five banks that um, were frozen. So individuals who... Um, deposit money at these banks. And again, these aren't necessarily as big banks as we're used to here in Canada. These are smaller scale banks. Uh, five of them were frozen. That meant people went there to draw out money and were declined. There was no money there because the way that that system works, like that fractional reserve that we talked about, is it's all fine and dandy so long as everyone doesn't go in and say, I want my money back at the same time. Because then they'll be like, well, we actually only had about like a thousand bucks. We just happened to lend it out. And other banks, you know, it moved over to their bank and then they also lent it out. So collectively as the banks, we kind of just lent out a bunch of money that we didn't necessarily have stored in the accounts. So all these people went in to withdraw their money. The bank Banks, plural, effectively folded up and said, no, we don't have any cash. There was also some banks that were flat out uh, running fraudulent lending practices where they were just taking the money and with little intent of ever actually paying it back. And so now you get these major demonstrations at all of these banks across the country and a country that um, typically tries to squash this stuff. So they're keeping it off social media. Um, but this is going to trickle down because it's not just, say, smaller banks, but bigger length banks are heavily, heavily over-leveraged in these development projects, largely. Yeah. So, so collapse is a coming, man. Yeah. Let's in just, some form of the other. That was other. a long-winded I mean, thing of saying that it was very well-spoken, though. I'm not going to discredit you there. That, but, yeah, something's got to change. Something's going to give, and we're seeing that take place now. Um, and on the flip side, the Chinese government is seeing this, and they're trying to step in. And so they're giving developers loans to get projects done. They're giving cash incentives to get things they finished. They also lowered their interest rate, which is different than what we're doing They're here. lowering their interest rate. They're also giving payment holidays. So they're saying, yep. hey, you guys don't have to make your payments, and we won't hit your credit. So they're, they're making, like, the government's trying to make everything to do to try and reinstill the confidence and keep this wheel turning. Um, what I really want to talk about, we've alluded to it a few times, but how this impacts us, there's so many ways. Like, you need to consider this means that there is so much less wealth creation taking place within China, and we accept a ton of Chinese investment. And, like, you see it, and it, they're buying homes here, they're then moving here, they're spending money here, they're doing to our education systems here. And a lot of people are like, well, that's good, we don't want these foreign buyers buying our homes. Again, we've talked about it before, but the value of them buying our houses is so, so high. It allows us to grow. The ripple effect that it has is worth so much for us. The TD projects that, like, the other thing is commodity prices. So they're such a massive consumer. We export so much to China. Like, we have yep. such a large trade uh, 
relationship with them, like that, that exporting is going to be so valuable. I know so many of my clients that export directly to China with food and materials and products. And on the flip side, we import a ton of stuff. So oh, like, I think there, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, when there's com- a certain point where this is going to trickle down to factories. Exactly. And so right? when commodity prices drop and like, there's a ton of factories in Canada that more than 50% of their product is going to China. So yeah. when they stop buying that because their market is now crashed or slowed or stopped, like we are going to take a massive hit. And that's going. if you're thinking about like, how's it going to impact my real estate, less jobs means less money going to the economy, which means less ho- like lower house prices go down because people either need to sell or don't have the ability to then buy up, all of those things. So it has a massive, massive repercussion for us in so many ways. Like it's, it's not a good thing to watch them burn. This is, we're in a global economy, any country like really of any scale or size that we are involved with, if they're, have, if they're hurting, in return, we are going to hurt. Um, so I, I'm nervous about this. And also, China's always been one that they move, I feel like, a little faster and a little ahead of us. And so sometimes what they're facing, we end up facing. Because like this Chandler alluded I'm to saying. 15 times, is we run <laughs> we run a very similar system um, to, to the Chinese economy. Like we run a very similar concept. We're a little less aggressive. And so a lot of times yep. you feel it a little less pain. Um, but if we don't necessarily feel their pain, but I don't want even one tenth of their pain. Right. And so that's something that we need to, to consider. I do want to boycott my mortgage payments though. Well, we're talking about a situation where people lose faith in the banking system because there's corruption and fraudulent banking. Like obviously that's going to impact how, um, that whole economy starts to spend, right? Like when the, the whole thing that happens in a recession, well, part of what happens in a recession is people, consumers lose confidence so they don't spend as much and that slows down the economy and you talked about all the ripple effects that that could have for us here but these same institutions are lending to the major producers in that country um, and the whole factory and the chain of supply thing relies heavily on a robust chinese um uh like labor supply right yep. making these things and if that dries up and these factories close like we already saw the challenges in the supply chain during the pandemic and a lot of it had to do with China not being totally open. And this is the other little, like, weird little parallel um, of what's going on. They still have a zero COVID policy over there, which is curious because the rest of the world has gotten back to business you mean more zero or less. COVID. What's that? What's their zero COVID policy? Uh, like, if they find a case, they sh- they do a... They throw you in the ocean. They <laughs> 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 you gone. Um, no, like, they lock down, like, the entire city or region or whatever. Okay. Yeah, they, they're shooting for zero COVID period. And uh, I've always wondered like, man, what do they know that we don't know? That always concerned me um, because why are they still stuck on these, you know, all right, there are four cases, shut down the entire province. Like they go Mm -hmm. crazy with it. Um, But that's obviously stifling the economy. And we felt those ramifications on the flip side. There's going to be a mass exodus of rich Chinese people getting out of that country. That money's got to go somewhere. We hope so. We hope so. And hopefully they want to, they want to come here, but like it is, I'm just like spiraling in my head. I'm like, it's like the worst storm. It's like if they're having the the lockdowns and they're having this economic shutdown, it's actually going to cause the cost of things to go up, um, like the the actual consumer goods that we consume. But then on the flip side, where they're not using as much like raw commodity, it's actually going to cause the commodity pricing sometimes to go down, right? And things like oil and gas are going to take a huge beating, which we rely on heavily to make money for our country. So it's like we will make less money and have to pay more for things. There's also going to be other ramifications. Like we're not a producer of stuff. Like that's the thing. We we are where we we can be a huge. We do a little bit production of commodity. We should be doing about ten times as much. But then we also don't produce like much for consumer goods. 
And so, like, they are the hub for consumer goods in this yeah. world. And they convert yeah. commodities into consumer goods. So the whole world's going to take a, a hit on that front. There's also, like, desperate countries do desperate things. Mm. Russia's not a bad example of that recently, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and China has started to reassert their positioning rel- like with respect to Taiwan. Yeah. And the military ramifications there are quite scary, yeah. right? Um, and often regimes like this, when they get under duress, they start to, you know, f- show their strength in, in military ways. And, you know, I think there's reasons to be concerned about that unrest over there as well. And we've seen how that impacts things too, because yep. we're saying all these things of like how China's, you know, own economic downturn can impact us. What if all of a sudden they do things geopolitically? A war can help, a war can help bring the fucking economy back. Yeah, but also then now we, we kind of, feel a, an ethical obligation to not trade with them, right? We were already struggling with this. You yeah. know, we relied on Russia a lot in ways that we don't like to admit. Yeah. Um, and look at the impact that has had. So I think between le- needing to see what has happened in their economy and when they got over leveraged and how they sort of spiraled and seeing what that causes is certainly a lesson to us and probably put some pressure on the central banks here in the U.S., Canada and and you know Europe as well um, to make sure that we don't follow down that same path of, of over leveraging. So I think you'll see that in some of the monetary policy that we get here. To speak of the over leveraging, really quick, by the way, I, I had one stat that they have the country carries two hundred seventy percent debt relative to their GDP, and the states are one hundred and thirty percent. So we're yeah. about half in the states. I didn't get Canada's, but just but we're still like that's still insane. Yeah. Right. But yeah. And then I think there's also just, you know, what so what can we learn from them? Uh, how might that influence our monetary policy here as we see that? Then also, what could that do to our supply chain It's and, and our import-export business? I think it's naive to think it's not going to have major impacts on that. Um, and then potentially some really significant political unrest. Um, but it's also a cool little, you know, sign of what could happen when your populace says enough is enough. Um, these inflated prices, this kind of... If they're able to speak system. up in China, it could really set the tone for a lot of different countries because I think, like you said, they're in a position, in a place where that is very frowned upon and yeah. effectively not allowed. But um, lastly, yeah, there's going to be a lot of money coming over here. A lot. You're, you're thinking that's going to push... I like, But they really locked that down. Like, I have clients from China and they're like, getting my money out of China to here was so hard. And it's not because oh, Canada 100%. won't accept it, it's because China won't let me leave with it. And with this going on, like they're not stupid to the fact of what this is going to cause. They're going to make it even harder. Talk about freezing banks up so you yeah. can't pull your money out. Yeah. If the but bank's frozen, you're not going anywhere. If those people see the writing on the walls, like, okay, I either go down with the ship yeah, or I take my money and get out of here. They can't get their money. So it's like if you leave, you have no money. You're starting yeah. again. But you already you already see it with all these Russian, you know, Russian billionaires and multimillionaires. Russia's not as aggressively yeah. freezing it up. China's um, always been doing that for years where you couldn't get your money out. And, yeah. and now again, if they're freezing banks, you are not getting your money. You just have to leave. You have to start you fresh. Wanna, like I was a multimillionaire in China and now I am starting from scratch again. So this is a little teaser about the, uh, the conspiracy episode, because there's a little conspiracy we've attached been, to this as well. We've been teasing. Give us a hundred likes. Um yeah, go on there. Check the last episode. YouTube, please. Crush like. You know, we get 200 likes, we're going to get the conspiracy episode up there. But here's a little other thing. So they were one of the very first trackers of people and their COVID status and all yeah. that. And you can get this alert. Uh, and green means you're good. You've tested negative. Red means you're bad. And you get immediately kind of quarantined and isolated. Yeah. Um, some of these protesters have alleged that, curiously, 
just before any protests that they've been about to do, their status Goes was red. changed and turned to red, which immediately required them to go mm. into isolation. And as such, kind of delayed their protests. So if you want to be a big conspiracy theorist, maybe they see COVID tracking and isolation as a way to control, control a populace the that they now think might be bubbling with uh, rage here shortly when they realize there was a bit of a host of cards going on and it's going to collapse. Yeah, I'm all so, for that. I, of course, you were all for that. You know I'm I, all as for that. As soon as I came across that, I'm I was convinced like, oh, he's going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, I feel like, yeah, you see some of this stuff go on even here, like, like random call-outs and things. People don't want to make a presentation or don't want to come in front of a certain group of people, and then conveniently they get COVID, and it's like, okay, right. that's... That is interesting. It's also when you're trying to show a unit. Oh, yeah, there's tenants always have COVID. Done, it's crazy. Anytime you need to get in there. Your tenants in the entire building get COVID. Yeah. But uh, anyways, I think that's, we're going to cut cap it there with the China stuff, but it's understanding heavy, it is heavy very China heavy stuff. There. Honestly, look into it. Think about it. Uh, I wouldn't just be naive to it. Like, oh, well, that's on the other side of the world. It is going to impact yeah. us very heavily. Uh, and if you're just listening for real estate stuff, it's going to impact the real estate world, um, whether it be the cost to put stuff up, the demand, uh, or the investment from overseas. It's going to have an impact on everything we do. Totally. Um, so we wanted to get into it a little bit because it's you guys start thinking ahead for this stuff. Um, and we've already talked about inflation and interest rates a million times. So this, I think, is really important to, to cover. But yeah. talking yeah. about us, way yeah, yeah. more hyper-locally, what do you got going on? Uh, well, I've got accepted offers now on that package of properties that I was talking about for quite some time. You know, it's kind of a mixed bag, 16-unit, vacant land, duplex, duplex, house, triplex. Yeah. All directly beside another property that I own. So I'm heavily invested kind of in this little area. Yeah. Um, I've got accepted offers now. We figured out how to structure the deal. And I say offers plural because we are breaking it up for financing purposes. So um, that looks promising. Um, yeah. So working towards that. And then just continuing on the renovation, I ordered countertops and appliances for a couple units at, at the eight-unit building. Which what do you go for for countertops? Uh, I'm this. I'm going my highest yet. So I got uh, jade stone in there, like we're nice. using synthetic stone. Um, and I always feel like I forget about appliances when I'm doing my numbers, at least in my mm-hmm. head. You're like, damn man, three thousand bucks a unit, two Basement units for your unit, right? Yeah. Like, who'd you get them um, from? Home Depot. Are we giving all those free plugs away, though? Yeah, okay, well, that's enough. Well, they don't sponsor some. I got a better appliance plug, so go to Patreon. Okay. Um, And so it's bittersweet because I'm like, man, this is extra money just coming out. Um, and But then in that particular building, so, all right, that means I've got two places now that I'm doing countertops and appliances. Yeah. There's only eight units in the building. It's like, that means I'm 25% down the building, really. Right, yeah. like I'm getting there on that building, which I'm super excited about to to close that one up and sweet. Um, move on to the next one. So, sweet, sweet, but sweet. keeping the ball rolling and, and hoping that that package of properties closes sometime in September. Awesome. Um, so then that'll that's soon officially kind of tap me out. Hopefully for this year, for love of God, I can't <laughs> find anything more this year. I'm extended. What about you? Yeah. What's going on? I'm not buying anything right now. I've been looking at some stuff. It's funny. A few deals that I worked on in the past have come back across my table, even though they took different Is offers. That lower? Uh, and yeah, they're willing to negotiate a little more and talk a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm back and forth. Everyone knows I'm back and forth on whether I want to keep buying right now or like sit on the sidelines. I'm probably going to make some moves uh, if the deal really, really makes sense. But I'm also very hesitant right now to buy older product um, because I'm just like the government and everyone is against purchasing older product and trying to trying to make it a little bit uh, cleaner, I guess. 
Um, and so you can say it. They're against renovations and yeah, they're against, against they're against renovations. Yeah. They're against landlords yeah. and and the whole system. And I understand. And and the idea is to incentivize new construction, which I think they're successfully doing. But on the back side of it, the problem is is they also need to incentivize with more financing options and uh, like yeah, actual. That's not feasible right now. And those rates are going to go up again. It's not feasible. Three more times. This you year. See, yeah. saw it last night. Like Crombie said, they're also parking a project that they had that was going to start this year. A massive 300 unit building downtown. Yeah, uh, they said, yeah, we're going to wait a little bit because there's a lot of uncertainty in the market right now, um, and so that's where everyone's at. But I'm hoping in this, I can pick up some sites or a, a bigger build. I'm like the dream for me would be even finding a build where someone's not uh, able necessarily to get out, and I can hopefully get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be my biggest thing that I'm concerned about. I met with some brokers yesterday too, and they said, man, these projects are great, but I'm concerned I can't get you out. And like, I don't think I'll even be able to get you 65 percent on the Ooh. back end on that. And I'm, I know I'm doing a refi right now on one of my properties, and realistically we're getting an exception made to get 68% on the takeout. It works because of how good of a... 68% on the takeout? And like I have rents that just demolish the initial appraisal. Like we demolish the initial appraisal and they're only getting me 68% on the takeout and and they're like, it's like, this is where the the struggle lies and I'm getting a mixed bag from people I talk to about where the rates are going to be in a year. Um, and they don't necessarily say that they're going to be way higher, but they may not be much lower. And if they aren't, like you need insane rental rates to be able to pull money out because mm-hmm. our cap rates have dropped so much. Yeah. Before when we had eight and ten caps, it didn't matter. But now that Halifax trades probably with like an average of like a five and a half cap, uh, it matters when the rate is six percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. that that's what we're facing. Um, and so for me, I'm just again back and forth, and these these tighter deals just don't excite me. Um, but other than that, I think I might mention it last time, but like a third Airbnb up. Um, it's doing great already. It's booked up a bunch. We're going to switch them to long-term rentals. Um, and that's that's kind of everything. I'm actually honestly kind of shopping for a house for myself. I want to... Yeah, you were home. saying that before we popped on. So um, if I know anyone's a got a good deal somewhere them. in the peninsula in Halifax, let me know. I like gladly look at it. I, I, need a, I need a crib. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's uh, enough for today. We're going to wrap up. Yeah. But if you've listened to this point, you obviously love the content. So don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe. Please share this with someone. If you can yeah. just throw it up on your social media while you're listening to it, that's awesome. If you're checking this out on Spotify or iTunes or whatever it is that you listen to podcasts on. Um, Apple Podcasts. And you, you YouTube. Uh, want to f- flip over to YouTube just to give us a like. That makes a big difference. You might have noticed that our last couple of videos have done really well. And that's totally because you guys have taken the half a second to go and click a like. Uh, any comments below, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on what's going on in China. Also, if you still have your ICQ number, uh, I challenge anyone to throw it up there if you actually remember it. Um, ICQ. Neil doesn't know what that is. So thanks so much for listening. More yeah. great stuff coming. So check out the Patreon if you haven't yet. It's there. Take check a look out our new YouTube videos and yeah, very yeah. different style. So We're doing some new con. Yeah, thanks, guys. Peace. Thank you for tuning in for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a rating and send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Master Keys Podcast. See you next week. When, 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 when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.